Many famous success stories involve multiple failures. Perhaps the most famous of these is of Thomas Edison, one of the most successful inventors who ever lived. A fascinating man, he famously said about inventing the electric light bulb, I have not failed 10,000 times. I have successfully found 10,000 ways that will not work. Picture him now, cheerfully whistling away as prototype number 9007 explodes and saying, Oh, marvellous, I failed again. Ha ha. <clears throat> the witty writer David Sedaris says that failure is fantastic. I don't know about you, but it doesn't matter how many times I read or hear things like that. I can't say I ever look forward to failing. I wouldn't say I enjoy it when I do fail, which is pretty often. Some people say, don't be afraid of failure. And that sounds like a great idea, but it's not always that easy, is it? So once again, with the help of a few wonderful friends, I'm going to have a dig into failure, what it does to us why it's bad, why it's also good, and maybe even see if it's possible to reframe one's relationship with failure. I'm Frances Butt, and this is Emotipod 2, Creative Blocks. Let's get straight in with some examples of failure from actors Tim Bentink and John Telfer. Tim first. You know that thing with audiobooks where you've got to get the accent right, you know, and the thing about an audiobook is you have to prepare it. You have to prepare it. You can't just, you know, sight read just it. Just read you, it. You know, no. You know, I mean, when it comes to it, you're still, you are sight reading it because you can't remember everything. But you've written mm. down, you know, the salient points about what that person's timbre is, what their accent is, you mm. know, ages. So do you mark it up and things? So yeah. yeah, I mean, I used to mark it up on the, on the page. Now I just mark it up on the piece of paper next to me so I know because otherwise it just takes too long. But mm. I did one um, at the beginning of lockdown first audiobook I've ever done from home because I've never done one from home before and and I had prepped it but it was I prepped it rather quickly <laughs> and I got to the point right at the end of it it was set in the 1920s and everyone was talking like that and um and so the chap was talking like that and the girl was was like that she was really rather fair and rather sort of sweet and lovely <laughs> and all the way through she was talking like this and I hadn't realised quite how many lines she had because quite a lot of the book was spent with me talking like this and I found it rather strange. And anyway, I've, got, I've taken this out, I've got an outtake of it. I took the outtake, I was recording at home, took the outtake out and I'm going along. So when I was younger, my parents emigrated to Australia and I spent the first 20 years of my life there. And I went, oh, fuck, she's Australian. <laughs> and then there's this long pause and I go, Oh, sorry, she's posh Australian. Because <laughs> I wasn't going to go back and re-record it all over again. Oh, now this is what I'm talking about. Putting a whole load of time, effort and love into something and coming up against that horrible, oh no, feeling. But it's not always your failure that causes the problem. Sometimes someone else's boo-boo can become everyone's problem. John Telfer. Years ago, um, on stage at Bristol Vic in Love's Labour's Lost, the boys are trying to get the girls. There's only one serious moment in Love's Labour's Lost, and that's when the Queen of France, there's a guy called McCarty, who comes on and the whole play chills because he comes to say that her father, the King of France, is dead and therefore she is now queen. And so all the fun and games have to stop. It's a very serious moment. So all the cast, nearly all the cast are on stage, except in this case, for the dear late departed and wonderful Ronald Forfar, who was playing Don Armado, 
who let flee the loudest fart I've ever heard <laughs> off stage in the scene dock in the Bislovic, which echoed all over the stage. And we were speechless. Nobody could say a word. The Queen of France was going... <laughs> and I was saying, I've got, to, I've got to say something in a minute, but I'm going to hold it together. And my voice was... Everyone was crying, was silently crying. <laughs> That's a kind of communal failure, isn't it? At least you're all in it together. But how about this story from John? I was on TV's Naughtiest Blunders. Oh? I was on TV's Naughtiest Blunders with, uh, with Tessa Hatch. We were doing... Um, it was when we were doing Let's Pretend, and it was doing one of the, the takes of uh, a song that we do. And it was a song about a, an octopus with tentacles. Ah. Oh. And um, and you, if you're an eight-arm-powered tentacles, you must be a something, eight-arm-powered octopus. And she sang testicles on air mm. accidentally. But we'd been buggering about with that, and it just popped out. So we'd done it in rehearsal as a laugh. And we just sort of fall about laughing and went. And they, they showed that. That earned us a lot of money because they showed that three or four times in different wow. shows. Yeah. It's brilliant. <laughs> That's good to know. The, the bloopers I have known and loved and not oh, gone yet. <laughs> Lovely. How about that? Sometimes failure can even be profitable or a kind of unexpected success. And you can't really talk about failure without talking about the flip side of failure, which is success. Here's music producer Amos Childs. I don't know if I really... <laughs> I don't know if I really get that, like, oh... <laughs> I'm glad I really learned a lot from it, <laughs> maybe in a subconscious way. Or maybe later. Yeah, I think, I think I'm just naturally really, really stubborn as well. That's something about me. But, um, that could be a good thing, though. Yeah, but yeah, failure, I don't know. I guess you maybe over time your kind of ideas of what success are change. Mm. So your ideas of what failure are change as well. Mm. But when you say stubborn, you mean just doggedly determined to keep going? Or... I guess I'm just stubborn about like what I'm doing as well. Like the idea of learning from a failure, I think you can, and I have definitely a lot of times. But also, I'm just so stubborn that sometimes I just think like, well, no, like that wasn't even my fault or our fault that it didn't work that time like that was everyone else's oh, fault oh i see oh, <laughs> do okay. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah which sounds mad to say but i don't know um, that's a that's a strategy that's like a coping strategy of a sort yeah, yeah. i guess I don't know. it was your maybe, fault maybe you didn't enjoy fault. what we did <laughs> you keep saying that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you keep telling yourself <laughs> yeah i think maybe you've got to have an element of I mean, I think if I didn't have that, I probably would have stopped doing any of this stuff a long time ago. It's so interesting how different people respond differently to failure. It wasn't me, it was them is a very human defensive response and a very familiar one that we see every day in politics. And for a deeper look into this particular phenomenon, I can recommend a brilliant book by psychologists Carol Tavris and Elliot Aronson called Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me. But now, here's life coach Quincy Medwinter Duval on Lawn on where our individual responses to failure come from. So much of one's ability to put ourselves in a position of re potential failure or rejection. Yeah. I think that for me anyway, in my experience of it, it's a, an inner 
confidence or self-belief that is given to us or kind of the tone of it is set from a lot younger than we could ever imagine. Right. Right. And I think I think like a lot of things, it all kind of boils down to that foundation, whatever that foundation is. Yeah. Yeah. These are deep drivers, aren't they, of of whatever behaviors we end up doing. An excellent point. Our current ability to fail well or badly is learned. And we'll look at whether we can change this as we go along here. But it's time now to bring in our resident psychotherapist, Lisa Jones, for the basic definition of failure. We'll cook something, it'll burn, you know, we we plant something and it dies. We there's like so many ways that we fail in little ways every day, billions of things. But when we set out with a dream goal, yeah, and it doesn't work, that's kind of hard on the psyche and the soul. So, um, yeah, help please, Doc. (laughs) Not a medical doctor, disclaimer. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so absolutely. And it is really difficult. And, uh, you know, technically failure, it's a very simple definition of failure. It's a lack of success in doing or achieving something. But, of course, you say that to 10 different people, you'll get 10 different examples. Because what does success mean? What does doing or achieving something mean for somebody? Good question. I guess it depends on whether you're thinking about success in a modest thing, like baking a simple cake or keeping a house plant alive or not, in my case. Or a big dream, like performing in public exceptionally well, or a desire to create a brilliant piece of work. But like you just touched on, you know, there are things that we might not achieve per se on a regular basis, but when Mm. they're those big kind of life goals and those things that we, we really work very, very hard towards, or it's a massive dream or ambition or those things, if we don't achieve those for whatever reason, Mm. that hits incredibly hard and what tends to happen is people then tend to fall back automatically on a very negative identity statement of I have failed I'm not good enough I've done something wrong I'm awful I'm this that and the other so separating the failure from the self really yes absolutely absolutely I think with anything like that and of course the reason it's so difficult is because it hurts because if we perceive that we have failed at something it's a loss ultimately that's what we're feeling right effectively it's like a grief it's like let's say for example I don't know I had massive life goals to be on the west end that couldn't happen because of health issues right that loss was huge. Right. Um, so when people fail or, or like I say, perceive to have failed something on that kind of scale, those kind of big life dreams and ambitions and goals, it is a loss. So we're kind of trying to manage that. And that type of loss and that type of emotional pain it is as difficult as physical pain. Okay, We share the right. same kind of neural network. So it's a real intense sure. pain. So this sense of failure is way more intense than the kind you can laugh off or shrug off. It's cut too deeply and it's a bigger job to overcome because there's more emotional processing to be done. So effectively, it's trying to manage that pain and that kind of grief, that loss, and then trying to unpick it. And that's the difficulty for people is that we we kind of get lost in it and make it all about us. It's it's something that we, like I say, we've done wrong. It's, you know, it's a problem of ours. And when we're in that emotional state, that heightened emotional state, it's really difficult. In fact, it's not really possible to take a step back and kind of go, okay, well, let me look at this 
is it because of something categorically wrong with me that I have not achieved this? Or were there other reasons that also played a part in me not being able to achieve this? Yeah. And then once we kind of understand that, that's when people can then choose to either say, okay, maybe I could do X, Y, and Z differently. Maybe I'll look at going and doing that. Or somebody might say, I've tried X, Y, and Z, A, B, C, F, and Y, and I feel like I'm just not getting there. Yeah. And maybe that's okay. Maybe I can learn from it and do something different. Right. Absolutely. Well, there's several things in there because first of all, we might see someone else having succeeded and compare ourselves to them. Why did they get there Mm -hmm. and we didn't get there? Uh, But when we're in this negative spiral of grief, as you say, and distress, really, then you you just can't think straight. You can't reason your way out of that when you're in this spiral of too hurty. Yeah, absolutely. Get through that bit first, don't you, somehow. So is it a good idea to sort of lean into that and let yourself wallow and have a bit of a pity party for it so you yeah. get get some of it out of your system in your way absolutely it, it used to be the thing as pull your socks up that used to be the yeah. the usual chant and if you don't pull your socks up then you're being pathetic which mm-hmm. is really helpful and makes you feel so much yeah. better <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> but nowadays I think there is recognition isn't there that you you should allow yourself to be able to feel oh, a bit of grief about not having succeeded Absolutely. For a little while, not not stay stuck there. But actually, that if you do lean into it, you'll get through it more quickly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's true for any emotion that we may be experiencing that people call, I'm using quote marks here, but people can't see that for negative emotions. Yes. yes. Um, you know, but actually, if there's an emotion that feels uncomfortable, actually, the more we address that, the more we acknowledge it and learn to sit with it, the quicker that will dissipate, the, you know. And I think if we're feeling hurt for whatever reason you know like we're feeling Mm. like we failed at something absolutely lean into it sit with that it will be really uncomfortable it will not be pleasant Mm. but kind of giving ourselves permission to do that and I always say with with clients you know it's kind of have a wallow day or a wallow week right but it's like put a time limit on it so it might be okay do you know what I'm going to spend this weekend in bed watching crappy films (laughs) crying my eyes out eating junk drinking a bottle of wine or whatever it is that somebody feels they need to do and I'm just going to give myself permission to do that and then from this time, from Sunday night, I'm like, right, that's it. I'm going to now start doing something. Get the different. makeup back on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, it's that yeah. kind of, what is, was it Liz Taylor, that quote, you know, put your lipstick on, you know, head up, lipstick on, heels, heels on or something. I think it was Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, right. I can't remember. You know, and exactly that. So it's like, you know, of course we have to give ourselves permission yes. to have the feelings, of course. But then, like you said, absolutely rightly, don't get stuck in it. That's not yes. helpful either. Yeah. And the other thing is that there's there's the kind of failure that you that you described earlier where you had to give up on a dream and that is a total loss. It's like that's not coming back. And that's definitely that's something lost is something to grieve. Mm. But then there's a the kind of failure where it might be worth having another go because yeah. you, you recognize this was the cause. And now if you can sort that bit out, then you will succeed. And it's a question of yeah. figuring out what those things are and how to succeed and get around yeah. the failure and yeah. to success. And to have the grit, that's the other thing. Yeah. And yes, practicing failing or being rejected can really help make it feel less like a personal judgment or slight or a failure of you as a whole person. And that's a good argument for the case that failing a lot is necessary to succeeding. It's part of succeeding. Do you think the reason people have been so anti-wallow and anti-pity party 
is because it it seems like caving in and being not not having the grit um, yeah and I think I think what's really difficult to be honest like in the industries that we kind of are talking about you know yeah. like um performing industries yes. or you know yes. art you know the arts of any kind yeah we are taught <laughs> have a thick skin you've got to keep you know keep going keep going keep you get rejection 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 and we know that's true my god I can't tell you how many times Oh yeah, and I know we'll get on to rejection. That message is drilled into us, which is like, oh, well, brush it off, keep going, and that's great in terms of helping us not take every single thing personally. Because one person's opinion is not everybody's opinion. Because one person's piece of music isn't right for that particular film score doesn't mean that it's not right for somebody else's. You know, and that's really helpful to have that resilient mindset. Yes, but that's yes. not the same as kind of being completely hardened and not allowing ourselves to feel because it's okay to feel disappointed. It's like, God, I really wanted that part. Or I really wanted yeah. that blooming, yeah. you know, that showcase. I really wanted to be able to exhibit at that place. And if that doesn't happen, it's like, of course, we're allowed to feel disappointed and about that. Of course. Disappointment is just an appropriate emotion in the face of failure. Someone else might not have felt as disappointed as you in your shoes, but that's their business, and your business is looking after your own needs. So let's turn now to how to do just that. Here's marketing lecturer and soft skills coach, Rushana Husainova. To stay motivated, you have to find something that to fuel that motivation a little bit, really little wins. And um, I think psychologists or like um you know people in the personal development world would Mm. say would recommend using something like um a gratitude journal or success journal Mm. and you just write down every day something that that you know went well Mm. and it could be that you know you woke up on time and that's a success (laughs) and that's a little win or uh something you didn't forget to to brush your teeth and you accumulate them and look and set yourself a task to to really watch out for these little wins and successes yeah and what happens is that your brain will actively pay attention to the good things that happen to you throughout the day that will then help you to stay a bit more motivated and make you feel a bit better so your brain needs a bit of success to keep you motivated keep up your morale and give you confidence because without confidence there's no self-belief and without self-belief Everything becomes impossible. If we if we look at uh, basic psychological needs, there is a theory called self determination theory, and it says that we have three basic psychological needs, and one of them is need for autonomy, where you need to have control over what you do. Yeah, a need for relatedness, is you know you need to feel part of the tribe. Yeah, and the third one is need for competency. You need one ah. at least one small area of your life where you feel you're next. You're good at this. Yeah. You're really good at this. Yeah. Very good. So in such times, perhaps looking at, you know, a small area of your life that you feel really competent, you're really good at this. Maybe for a short period of time, look there and concentrate on that for a bit. Yeah. So when you're lacking in success, then to focus on the things, the, even the tiny things that you're successful at. But what if you are? brilliant at everything and there are for example the brilliant kids at school who become phobic about failure it might be a might be a tiger mom issue you know you've got children who are very at the top of the class that when when they do fail at something they've never got used to it and it's devastating 
So you need failure. Actually, you do need failure, don't you? You need to be able to fail. It's a, it's a skill. Absolutely. Uh, France is a really good example because I, um, I can really relate. I was uh, the best in my school, ah. um, both primary and secondary, mm. back home uh, in Russia, where I'm from. Mm. And I was also kind of best in my undergraduate uh, degree year or class. Uh-huh. Um, and it's until then I came to the UK to do my master's degree. Yeah. I realized, oh, I'm not just by default the best anymore. And all of a sudden, it's a hard work to actually achieve something. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was a very, very long and difficult transition uh-huh. from just getting everything you want just because it's easy and mm-hmm. you've got already a certain reputation built up. So all of a sudden, I cannot proper speak speak proper English. Oh, gosh. Everything else is so different. And oh. I have to really work hard on everything within the, the master's degree. And just, just buying, you know, bread and milk in the shop requires a lot of effort. Wow. So for me, that was a massive transition. And it, it still is to a degree. Fantastic. I mean, the, this whole the buying bread and milk. I mean, that you're talking about not just the, yeah, master's degree, but the real nuts and bolts of life, just the basics. Success in the basics being a, a challenge. That's it's a great example of whether you're talking about master's degree or the competency at making a bed or preparing a meal, basics like that, um, keep cleaning your teeth. It's all kind of the same, really. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, what also helped is the mindset shift from seeing this as a as a failure or as a you know, something I just just couldn't do to a mindset of curiosity ah brilliant yeah so I thought instead of looking at it thinking oh my god this is so hard this is not happening etc to oh, I'm curious so yeah. is this what this different experience looks like yeah and yeah. it happened overnight it was sort of it's, it's still a journey I'm on yes yeah and whenever you feel sort of um you're having to go for a difficult conversation at work or in business or having something that's not working out I try to mentally stop, step back and think, oh, that's interesting how it's going. This mindset shift towards activating curiosity is such a big key. Moving from feeling stuck in, this is hard, to the ongoing process, the journey that doesn't have to have an end point. And this reminds me of Professor Carol Dweck and her wonderful TED talk about the power of yet. She tells the story of a high school in Chicago where, if they didn't pass a module, students were given a not yet, which is very different to a fail. It gives a student a pathway to future possibility. Absolutely brilliant. So we're talking about reframing our relationship with what we think of as failure here, which presumably means reframing our relationship with what we think of as success too. Here's Quincy again. Yeah, you know, you are not defined by your rejection or failure in the same way that you're not defined by your success either. And right. that's the thing about success, isn't it? When I had my piece published on the Vogue website, I was waiting for that feeling of success and it just never arrived. Ah. And I think that that's why rock stars and these people who think that the success is performing at Glastonbury or they think the success is getting that number one and then when they get it they're left with a feeling of nothingness Mm -hmm. 
that's why they're so kind of messed up mm-hmm. because actually in too much on this idea of success yeah when we get it we're like shit I'm still really unhappy or I don't feel anything or I haven't arrived you know and it comes back to that thing of the success is in the journeys yeah the creating part there we have it again the reward is on that continuum of what you're engaged in and not in any end point and the big ta-da whereas Quincy says you might expect more of a feeling of reward but it might not arrive. And this makes succeeding or failing actually less of a big deal. As Rudyard Kipling famously put it, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, dot, 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 yours is the earth and everything that's in it. Finally, let's hear the wonderful attitude of silversmith and jeweller Katie Bird of Birdsmith. Especially with creating things, especially with jewellery, and especially when you're learning Mm. how to do certain sort of techniques or designs and things, there's always going to be an element of failure. You know, you put the blowtorch too close to, you know, a bit of metal and it just goes (laughs) and, you know, frazzles into nothing. And you're just like, oh, my God, really? Again? (laughs) And you can do that over and over again. So there's always, you know, the thought of failure stones crack mm. stones break bits snap off in fact your ring that was a that had a moment of failure there because I was going to use prongs on it and then they snapped off so I couldn't so I had to start again oh okay I so, didn't even know that no it, you know and it's for me to kind of work out okay that didn't work how can I do it better and more successfully which is you know half the job really so. brilliant and I didn't need to know that because no. what I got was the result the result was exactly gorgeous. absolutely so it wasn't it quite happen. what I had in mind to begin with but it became something even better I think so Perfect. yeah <laughs> I like that but yeah there's always I don't call it failure I call it experimentation oh nice yes because you're learning from it so it's it's not a failure at all it's just something that didn't go right that time but you try it again and it will hopefully there's a mindset thing about it isn't there so there's the failures that i I know so if it's like i have failed or i am a failure it's It's not the same thing yeah it's it's just like no it's not because you just try again so yeah yeah and learn from something exactly if you want to succeed Failure's just part of the journey. It's bruising, no doubt about that. And a little self-soothing may be called for to help you feel better, get your strength back, get back in the saddle and have another go. In a speech at Harvard, Oprah Winfrey said, there's no such thing as failure, which if you take it out of context sounds a bit silly. But context is everything, so here's the full quote. There's no such thing as failure. Failure is just life trying to move you in a different direction. And that is an interesting way of looking at it because it instantly introduces the question, if not this, then what? Or how? Which moves things along, away from disappointment and back to the excitement of figuring things out again. Which means David Sedaris is right. Failure is pretty fantastic. But I'll leave you with this quote from another American writer, Elbert Hubbard. There is no failure except in no longer trying. 
In the next episode of Emotipod 2, Creative Blocks, we'll be looking at a big, scary subject for many artists, performers and creatives of all kinds, monetizing art. Until then, whatever you do, enjoy doing what you love, because you love it. You need no other reason.